What would you get if you mixed a murder mystery and a fantasy world? That's what you get with this book, Black Cloak. And that's who we're talking to the creators of Image Comics' Black Cloak. It's creator-owned by Eisner Award-winning writer Kelly Thompson and artist Meredith McLaren. And Joe and myself sit down and we talk to them about this uh, new Image comic, this new hopefully ongoing. we got to make sure that people are reading this one. We want more issues because Joe and I – absolutely love this comic book it was fantastic it's set in a fantasy world with different creatures but then there's this whole murder mystery that the characters are trying to solve so as you're figuring out like who's the killer who's the where, you know what's the motive you're also taking in some of the beautiful artwork of this fantasy world that meredith has created it's really awesome there's 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 really nothing like it that i've that I've read uh, and, and seen, so it's 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 like a mashup of, of of a lot of things that I love: murder mysteries and fantasy stories. So uh, this is one that you want to put on your pull list. It actually drops today that this episode's coming out. It's called Black Cloak, but uh, don't take my word for it. Pick up the book, read the first issue, and you'll get hooked. It's freaking awesome! Like. All the time, people are like, when do I start reading comics? What comics do I start with? Start with this image number one. Uh, you're going to fall in love with Kelly. You're going to fall in love with Meredith. They were fantastic on the interview. Go out there and support them. Pick up this book. Uh, without further ado, here's the interview. Bonus episode. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. It's a trap. So, yeah, we are uh, talking with Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren about their upcoming Image Comics book uh, entitled Black Cloak. Uh, we got advanced copies. I, I read the first three copies of it. And if I'd had issues or the first three issues and if I would have had issues four and five, I would have absolutely kept reading it. It was, <laughs> it was such a page turner. Um, it's awesome. I'm absolutely invested in it. I love I love this scenario that you've got going that it's this detective story, but it's based in this fantasy world. And so it's, it's got parts of a story that I feel familiar. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the detective genre and I'm also a huge fan of the, the fantasy genre. So to see the two kind of collide in this book, it's fantastic. And, and also Meredith, I must say your, your art style is fantastic. Oh, um, thank you. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I love the way you differentiated between the the present day and the flashback stuff in it. And I, I'm just a huge fan of your book right off the start. I feel absolutely privileged that we got to read not just the first issue, but the first three. And so, um, I mean, yeah, I just, I, I really want to give you both a chance to, to kind of talk about this book and, and really tell our audience about it, because I really feel like this is something that people shouldn't sleep on and they should jump on as soon as that first issue comes out. Um, T tomorrow at this point, if it won eleven, yes. right? Oh Jesus! Yeah. yeah, tomorrow, big day, big day. <laughs> Try not to look directly at it on the calendar. Um, yeah. yeah, not allowed to Google my name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Tomorrow's a big day. It's been a long time building to this, but I'm really excited. The feedback has been really great. Thank you so much for taking the time to read it. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that like you know you read not only the first issue which was oversized but all three that's like 90 pages i like feel like we got you hooked in that makes me feel great um yeah we've just been having a good time with it um i think yeah the world building was just like all my favorite things and i think meredith likes at least all of those things um yes. I love detectives and procedurals. Um, I often feel like a mystery is one of the greatest hooks you can put in it for a reader, because if you can make that hook compelling enough, and I'm not saying we did that here, but it's as a writer, I'm sort of always searching for those hooks because I experience this as a reader too. Like, even if I'm not completely in love with something, 
or I feel like it's wandering away or whatever. If you made that initial hook, something I just feel like I have to know, you know, I'm usually willing to follow you. Now, you really got to deliver because, you know, I don't I don't want to get to the end of that mystery and have not enjoyed the experience and not have the hook be rewarding. But I think we really are trying our best to give you both, to give you a really rewarding narrative story, but that's also like full of like little corners to explore. And we're having a great time. Well, it's it, it's one of those things where the you've got this murder and there's, you know, we're we're going through like you said the procedural. I was actually going to ask you like is d- does this come from a love of like crime procedurals that you've seen on television and you're just like I'm going to I'm going to take a fantasy world and build it out and do a crime procedural in this fantasy world and take a lot of the same, you know, things that you see in a crime procedural but you know, we're going to inject like mermaids and other kind of like creatures within this world and do that and do it in a fun way. Um, and, and, and I absolutely love that because I'm, I'm definitely I love fantasy stuff. I just love anything fantasy. And for you to do this, I was thinking as, as I was reading, I was like, this is like that Netflix movie Bright but good. Um, <laughs> you had me concerned for a moment. Yeah, um, I, did have to, I did have to watch that when I came oh, up with this. No. I, yeah, because I had to make sure we weren't doing that. Like, A, I don't want to be doing that because I don't ever want to copy what someone else is doing. B, I heard horrible things about it, and then I did really, really hate it. So I was went in, like, just because I, you know, you got to do your due diligence, man. Like, um, it's hard. You can't know everything that's coming out but like that's a pretty big thing that came out so uh yeah i had to watch that and i was like my god i hope we're not doing this <laughs> well the, the main character you know i'm i'm instantly drawn to her i think she's really cool and so with me liking the main character is it pronounced phaedra yeah so with me liking phaedra then i'm instantly more connected to the victim in this story because she has this past relationship with this person and so that makes me care about solving this and finding out what happened. And then there's this whole story about Phaedra being exiled. You want to know what's going on there and why she is, you know, left and why she's now a black cloak. So it's like you're kind of just thrown into this. And with each issue, you're learning a little bit more. You're tapping back more into her past a little bit. It's, you know, you're not just throwing it all out there. You're doling it out a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So there's like an A mystery, a B mystery of our main character, and then like little C mysteries. And so it's like, it's enough. And then throw in the fantasy world and, you know, mermaids and this, this whole society of like, you know, this is the last uh civilization and now that there's normal wars well what are people going to go to war with themselves and so it's like murders yeah. and and a lot of the you know I, I so i'm just instantly hooked on the book and the art style is phenomenal so i was loving it i was as i was reading it and i love the double sized first issue once i got done i was like that was a little bit longer than a regular comic but my <laughs> But my God is like, let's dive into this second issue. So I'm, 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 I'm loving it. And the, all the different areas that they're going to, it's very imaginative. Just like, oh, like the little, the, the, like eating like whatever ramen they were eating. I was like, oh, that looks, <laughs> that looks good. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> do, do I have any ramen in the Excellent. cupboard? <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, Meredith's a terrific world builder. I mean, you know, we talk broad strokes about like, here are the things we're trying to combine and here. The ideas, and I think I think Meredith and I, we definitely have different influences, but there's enough of a crossover where I feel like we always feel like we're sort of speaking the same language. I think Meredith has her roots more than I do in fantasy. She really loves that stuff and responds to that stuff. I like that stuff in certain stories because I, I really love those characters and those ideas in fantasy stories, but in prose, sometimes it's not really for me. I'm not really into the style that a lot of fantasy is written in, which is like a super detailed, you know, um, like very sort of 
exhaustive to me. I don't mean that in a negative way. I know a lot of people really love fantasy. I like a little more streamlined, stripped down stuff. You have and just you have just insulted every Tolkien fan <laughs> out there. I've never gotten through a Tolkien book. I could tell. I could tell. Like there's like I could tell she's talking about Tolkien here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but not just him. It's just yeah. It's like science fiction tends to work really well for me. I think it's mostly a style choice. Yeah. But just because but I'm still really interested in those ideas, those themes, those characters and the the way that world can be so bendy and especially the idea of taking stuff that we've all seen before and then hopefully twisting it, some of them into sort of new versions of those things like, you know, postmodern reinterpretation type stuff. I always have a lot of fun with that and Meredith is very good at that. Like she's I think uh, even though she really loves fantasy, I think her style is pretty out of step with what you think of in your mind when someone says fantasy. They don't think of such like clean, sharp. And then, of course, we've made it more of a sci-fi futury thing. So that brings in a lot of the neo-noir coloring and all mm-hmm. that neon and everything. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think it really stands out really interestingly between the approach and the angle and Meredith's art. I don't know. It it just feels really new and different to me. And I hope people respond to it that way. You know, it's definitely a book where it's like, I'm not just immediately flipping through pages. I have to sometimes, um, stop and look at like what's going on in this panel. Cause like I was, uh, the, there's the, um, um uh, oh gosh i'm trying to think it was the uh she gets on like a platform like a moving platform that's going up because oh yeah like the rope oh yeah yeah, yeah. The yeah. like for, the rope toe for the trees yeah there's yeah. a sign that says you know non-flyers mm-hmm. uh, or no flyers and i'm just like oh of course we're in a fantasy world there are people that have wings that they have they can just go up here but for the people that don't have wings this is basically like uh, like a fantasy escalator or something yeah. for them to use. Yeah. And I'm just like a low rent Robin Hood escalator. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just part of like the world building of like, this is yeah. the world that they live in. And then like, I was fascinated with all the talk of the Dracona blade and, you know, um, characters being Dracona and, you know, how the Dracona blade, the only, you know, you, if, if you are stabbed with a Dracona, Dracona blade, like, Basically, basically, it's like a death sentence for you. So that raised if you're not Dracona, yeah, yes, exactly. So it's like it's it's one of those things where like that raises more questions for other characters with certain things that happen in the book. And so, not only do you have our main character of Phaedra trying to figure out a mystery, but now you've got some other characters trying to figure out, hey, what's going on here? Because Someone has survived a Dracona blade. And so, I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts in this book. And it's 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 very fun. Yeah, that was one of the first things that I thought of, too. When you were talking about how you want to write a story that has a good hook in it. The thing that's awesome about this story is you have so many hooks in it. You know, you've got the the hook that that our that our main character is is trying to solve this mystery but then there's also so many other mysteries around her and the way that you're just kind of you know peace feeding it out to the reader it, it just deepens the the overall mystery of the book and that was was really what what kept me going on it is that it's not just the main mystery that's it's all this other little stuff in it like what is actually going on with phaedra and what is Like what caused her to be exiled? What is what is going on with the nubs, you know, on her back? There's so many little things in it that just have me so invested as a reader. And, you know, on the one side, I'm I'm just tickled that I got to read all three. But on the other side, it's like four months. (laughs) Yeah, to read the next one. I'm, I'm so spoiled, but I'm so happy I was, you know, spoiled in this way that I got to read them all. Yeah, Kelly is amazing when it comes to pacing and keeping keeping the, her claws in you. Like, <laughs> I'm glad working in corporate comics taught me something. <laughs> how to how to get you back for next month? Um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, that's 
that's a that's a real challenge and it's particularly tricky on this book it became less tricky after we started because when we first started on Substack because that's where this um was printed digitally so far um the uh we didn't know. Were we going to do it in five-page increments? I mean, that's part of the reason the first issue did end up being that oversized first issue, because we could have broke it, you know, when she gets attacked, when she goes to the castle. So there was a real natural ending place around the 20-page mark where that happened. But if that happened, then issue two ends with the real ending of issue one, which are like the same similar endings right so we're like let's just pull it all together and do it as one big oversized issue that's our best possible like first chapter and that felt really right because then not ending both those moments on a cliffhanger helped them feel different which i think they are they only felt the same because we were trying to force them into being a cliffhanger so there was definitely like a push and pull as we were figuring it out the good news is i i think the Substack people were really excited about reading it sort of like a traditional book and like big chunks so we ended up pivoting pretty quickly back to um more of a 20 pages a month thing although all of the issues are long so you know the first one's 51 i think the second one's 23 or something like that so you're beginning a lot of bang for your buck in the story and part of that is just the freeness of being able to do creator owned again which you know i've not had a lot of chance at so it was nice to be able to be like there were a couple times when I would write a page this way and then I would just say to Meredith, I'm like, if you've got the time and you think this works better as two pages, we can swing it in the budget. So go for it. And she would sometimes do that. I think that beautiful final page of issue one with that bleed, that full bleed, that's mm. that's an added page. Instead of trying to in corporate comics, we would have just had to make that a panel you know, on a, on a squeeze it into the final page. But that's the beauty of this kind of thing is you're able to say, no, no, that's worth it. Like, let's, let's do that. You know? Does that freedom that, that having it be a creator owned comic, does it, does it kind of give like an, a little extra layer of sweetness as creators to be able to go in and know that you're, you're not quite as constrained. You, you can really kind of follow your creative muse and do it the way that you think you should rather than sticking to a predetermined formula. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's, <clears throat> I only say that because I, I was working on a license project shortly before Kelly came to me with black cloak. And it was like, I was reminded how many committees uh, yeah. a, a licensed product has to go through. And I'm yeah. sort of by the end, I'm like, I really like this property, but I will never do it again. <laughs> Yeah, and it can be a real mixed bag on those sort of things. I mean, I think it's a little different when you're working, like, just with a company like Marvel or DC. You're just mostly just answering to them. But, like, you know, if you say you're working with Boom on a project that's owned, you know, that's like Power Rangers or something where it's owned by a separate company, like, yeah, there's many layers of approval you have to go through. And while sometimes those things work out great, for example, when I did Gem with Hasbro, Hasbro was really open and flexible. They were not trying to micromanage everything. It was great. But that's rare, I think, because, you know, there's a lot of anytime you add layers, you're adding complexity and some of those people really know what they're doing and maybe that even includes knowing how to get out of creator's way, but some people really want to have a say and get involved. And sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's not. So it's very freeing to be able to do the creator owned, but I think it does create its own problems. You know, um, sometimes limitations are good. Sometimes they either a help you come up with really creative solutions to write your way out of those limitations or sometimes they keep you from going too far afield, you know. Um, I think the only thing I sometimes worry about Black Cloak is, you know, it does, you are creating it in a very small little Petri dish. And, you know, you have collaborators that you trust who you hope are giving you a reality check on how it's going and editors and things like that. But yeah, it's a big risk. Like here it goes out into the world. It doesn't feel as risky as, you know, when you're, doing something for the X-Men and you feel like you've got all the backing of everything that came before, you know, yeah. and here, here you're just sort of feel like a little, I don't know, yeah. like a little it, urchin it, on the street and you're like, here's my book. Do you love it or do you hate it? Yeah. And it, it is really <laughs> nice to, uh, to be fair when you 
when you have a book that is licensed with somebody else or it belongs to somebody else that, you know, uh, you have the okay from them. Like, you know, they're not going to let you put something off yeah. into the world. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you like, um, so, you know, there's a little bit of nervousness, you know, t- yeah. going into tomorrow. Like, yeah. Mistakes on Black Cloak are on us, right? Yeah. Like, there's nobody to turn to and point to and be like, you know, oh, well, they told us we couldn't do that. You know, no, it was, we did it. We did it. So, mm-hmm. and and I do think, and especially in this market, I think Meredith is a little bit more brave than I am maybe in this regard, but, you know, it's hard to not be concerned about the response and, you know, the way people react to things, you know, it's rough out there these days. Like it people is. don't always care about context. They, you know, there's a lot of misreading of things or just seeing a part of a thing and getting upset about a thing. And you don't ever want to be in the middle of that. It's very messy. And so, you know, you just try your best and, you know, you hope that, you know, the thing that sort of sustains me on putting something out there that you're worried about is that, I don't know, I just feel like Meredith and I are really good people who want to tell good stories that are good to people. Like, I, I you know, I, there's not a lot of malicious intent there. It doesn't mean you can't make a mistake or, you know, certainly we don't know everything, but we're certainly out here with our hearts on the line, like trying to do the right thing in storytelling and in stories. So you hope that that helps you. You know, Mm -hmm. but you also don't want to shave all the edges off. That's not interesting. Filing the edges off of everything is not a good way to make a powerful story that means something to people and that matters and that makes an impact. So I think you really have to, you just play your cards and I don't know. (laughs) Well, for me, I think like when I first got into comics, it was like, I'm getting into like this property because I'm familiar with this property. Now they're putting it in print form. And then it turned into, well, man, I really like that. I like that writer. Now I'm following creators. So that's where the difference is. There's definitely some properties that I still follow just because it's that property. If they put out a Planet of the Apes comic, I'm going to read it no matter who writes it. <laughs> Same thing with Red Sonia. I'm a big fan of Red Sonia, and it's like, you know, you, you've got uh, uh, Gail Simone writing it. She's off of it. Okay, Marguerite Bennett's doing it. I'm reading that too. So, but yeah. then it's it turns into following creators. And so that's what I've been doing for the most part is yeah. following creators. I liked what you did on this property I enjoy. Oh, they're on another book. Oh, it's creator owned. Let's see what they've got. And and yeah. so I think you're going to find a lot of your fans picking up this book because they're they like your they 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 like your stories. They like your artwork, and so they're going to follow this. And then you know, um, I think word of mouth too at the comic book shop is great as well. And and hopefully you'll you'll get some great reviews. Joe and I both give it you know the highest yeah. review we can. So you <laughs> thank know. you, thank you, thank you. It's, it's one- uh, yeah, it's hard. You know, they're like name some comparative titles, and you know we end up saying Saga because yes, it's yeah, doing- I can see that. Well, it's doing similar things, you know, with character creation and like fantasy characters. I would say Saga is much more sci-fi and it uses its fantasy characters in like a, oh, they're all from other planets. So I would say Saga is solidly sci-fi to me uh, as opposed to fantasy. But I think you do, it does have similar sort of things in there. But I hate that comparison because you know saga i mean it's one of my favorite things of all time it's one of the most popular you know creator owned books of all time so it's hard to compare yourself to that but we really struggled to find something that felt right um i think we both felt like arcane was which is a television show not a comic like that there were some good carryover points for that so if anyone's watched the arcane show which i highly recommend it's really great it's on netflix it's it's uh based off the um league of legends league of legends uh games but really incredible character work gorgeous art that reminds is different than meredith's but reminds me a little bit similar like very bold colors and things and really great character design so you know it's 
hard. You, you know, you gather up these little things that you can say about a thing you made and then, you know, try to hand it off to someone to help them understand what it is. But, you know, yeah, it feels very risky. Sorry. I, I just, you know, that the, it's looming so imminent tomorrow that, um, <laughs> But I just have to, I just have to go with people like you guys who are really saying lovely things about it. And like, people really seem to be responding to it in like a very organic way. I mean, not that we're not out here like working and trying to drum up the press and all these things, but I don't know, people have been really supportive. So it's hard to fault anything about the experience so far. I can only talk from my personal experience that like, I am very much into fantasy comics and fantasy content and I go through the you know previews, and I actually, before we had even set up this interview, had added it to my poll list. Oh, so I, oh, I, I don't. It also, <clears throat> it also makes me feel great that you're you're really coming from a fantasy place, and Meredith does too. I feel like Meredith would tell me if she's like, listen you're fucking up fantasy. (laughs) We like, we know that you don't like Tolkien. We found you out. That sounds, that's, that sounds so much like Meredith. Like Meredith would say that. Like, no, no, I'm just saying privately. Like, I feel like she would let me know if we were like missing the boat. Yeah. But it still really means a lot to hear it from someone who really reads that stuff, who loves that stuff and who feels like ours deserves a shot in the playing field i like i feel good about that like i don't you know i'm not saying i don't like all fantasy no 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 let me let me terribly let me me say this let me say this um game of thrones season eight you're fucking up fantasy that's (laughs) okay well okay this is funny so if we go farther so i've been asked a lot over the last few weeks about where the idea came from and everything and it was so 10 years ago that I first had the idea, but I went back through my old notes trying to say like, you know, because I, it, when it started, we weren't saying saga. I didn't even know about arcane. We weren't saying even blade runner really like, you know, as we were trying to identify these things that we were. And so I, so I went back and looked at what, it, and what it was, the initial idea. It was because I was loving game of Thrones. It's 10 years ago. I was loving game of Thrones and I was loving true detective. And I was like, let's put the police procedural in a Game of Thrones type of world. And then, of course, it grew and changed into what it's become today, which is quite different. But that is the origin of it is Game of Thrones and True Detective. I feel bad because other podcasters asked us that and I didn't have a good answer. But I've done my research now. (laughs) I'm ready for Uh, the question. I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, Some of the greatest plots come from a weird slam dance of different genres. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I do think that's why we've ended up in that space where people are like, well, pitch it to me. And you're like, well, it's this meets this because people can instantly understand. Like, I know a lot of creatives don't like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I get it. We all feel a little like bristly about it, but it is the quickest way to get someone to understand. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that thing. And I like that thing. I mean, it's, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. Well, there, I mean, which is sort of how we came here. I like procedurals. I like sci-fi. I like fantasy. Put them all in there. Let's see what happens. I mean, that's the quickest way to grab an audience. It's like, yes, I like this. I like that. Like Joe and I went to the theater recently and saw a movie where they basically took Santa Claus and turned him into John McClane from Die Hard. Yes. (laughs) It was awesome. It's amazing. It's a new Christmas classic. When, What's his name? When I saw David Yarden? David Harbour. Yeah, Harbour. 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 Yeah. When I saw the trailer for it the first time, I'm like, this is this is not a real movie. <laughs> I know. It was a fake trailer. And I'm like, an <laughs> SNL skit. And then I'm like, oh, I think this is a real thing. It's really good. Highly recommend checking it out. Like, I will be watching it every year on Christmas and probably in July, too, because I can't wait 12 months in between viewings. I heard a lot of people talking about that, like it's broken through, like it was the first thing since, I don't know, Elf or something. They were like, that's a new Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. That too. So that's yep. fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the wrong circles. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Like, <laughs> I guess, it, did, did it come out? Like what It happened? did, yeah. It's still out in selected theaters. So it's, called, okay. it's Violent Night and it is just, it's phenomenal. And it, I mean, it's not only just gory for the guys um, and it, 
it's also got a lot of heart for just like, you know, families that are maybe, you know, want to bring your little kids. But if, <laughs> if your kids are grown the up, older, the older yeah. kids will probably well, if, enjoy If they're old enough to enjoy Die Hard on Christmas. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If, if your kids enjoy watching Hans Gruber fall from the Nakatomi Plaza, <laughs> <laughs> then you can bring them to Violet Night. So. <laughs> What a tagline. <laughs> it's better than you're fucking up fantasy. <laughs> definitely. Definitely better than that. Well, you guys aren't fucking up fantasy. Like, seriously, I... I mean, Meredith definitely isn't, but uh, maybe, maybe me. But I'm. So what I'm saying is, I feel like I feel like I picked the right partner because I feel like I like all those things and I'm super interested in them. And I'm pretty well read, both in comics and in novels. Well, maybe not novels. Who knows? There's a billion novels. Why can't? I'm never going to read them all. Uh, it's very frustrating. But um, I, you know, I, I feel like picking a partner who really knows that well is your best way to help protect yourself. Like picking someone who's into that and likes that stuff and like, you know, not only is Meredith into fantasy, but like I think she draws inspiration from i mean i think probably we both do it differently i mean meredith also works as a writer so you know she she sort of does both um but yeah you know drawing different cultural influences and things you know i mean i'm i'm the writer who's like listen i would love for us to push towards as many influences as feels right for this world building like this should feel like a very like a varied city that's full of creatures that's full of races that's full of people not getting along but everyone's sort of trying their best and um i just feel like meredith really gets that she just she just I don't know. To, from my perspective, she just instinctively knows how to like build these things. Like she'll send you a new, she sent me when she, you mentioned the ramen that looked so good mm -hmm. when she designed that character, Jono. Um, I was like, you know, this is a new character. He's like a minor role, you know, whatever, but he should be some kind of flying type of creature because he's living in the trees. He lives and works in the trees. And then she sent back this perfect sketch and she's like, can this be Jono? And like, she, and she's like, technically, even though he doesn't have wings, he can fly because he's loosely based on, and like, she put all these, you know, so it's amazing. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> sold, do it, done. Like, she's, she's just great. It's great. It's, it's a great way to work. I, I'm loving the characters. I'm actually um, the uh, Phaedra's partner. Uh, it's her detective partner. Pax, he's great. I'm, I love their dynamic and how they've basically worked together for so long that, you know, they point out the different things about each other that annoys them. But on the flip side, they work so well together. So, um, yeah, you feel like they could have a complete conversation just looking at each other. Ex yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like he knows that she's going to go off and do her own thing. He's like, keep me in the loop. And she's like, all right. You know, so it's yeah. like. Yeah, I really like the dynamic uh, between those characters, and um, so the issue issue four. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great bit with them where they're basically separating from one another and like sort of hiding. And I stole this bit that I love from broadcast news. That's uh, you know, meet me at that place where we went to that thing that time, and they're like, okay. And so I just like, so we, we basically just put that line in um, when they're separating. And I just think it's like such a great, it just says so much. I mean, I completely stole it, but I like it in this capacity, which feels so different than broadcast news. But I just, you know, I stole it for the very reason that it's a very beautiful little thing that says so much about how much history you have with this person. You have in jokes, you have secrets, you have secret locations, you have, you know, like a, just a whole secret language that you would have from working with a partner like that. So I love that kind of stuff. And Pax is great. Like when you meet his family and stuff, I feel like that feels unexpected. And yet you're like, Oh, I sort of get it. Like, and, you know, fairies are one of the first things we subverted a little bit because I think I went in saying, 
I really, I want this main character to be a fairy, but I want it to be a dude, and I want us to play against the type of what we traditionally see in Western fiction with a fairy, which is, like, very feminine and very whatever. Yeah. So we're, like, all the fairies are, like, more stocky and more, like, sturdy and shorter and sort of very muscled. And then they have these, like, beautiful gossamer wings, and it, like, sort of doesn't make sense, and I love it. I love it for that. Like when we were talking about i was like it's tricky because you got to make the cloak work with these wings i don't know how you're going to do that that's a you problem meredith uh, <laughs> it's like my problem is solved because i came up with this great idea <laughs> there's a wonderful thing called suspension of disbelief <laughs> i mean you put a little vent in that cloak i can buy it <laughs> exactly though it's like I can sort of imply that it works and it will be fine. Like, yeah. But I think we talked about like what color they should be. I was like, Oh, pink. Yes. You're right on. Like they should totally like, even though he's like this very sort of tough guy. Yes. Those wings should be like gossamer pink. It's lovely. I love it. Yeah. He looks like the guy that would ask me to spot him at the gym. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. but, But he's got like these pink wings. But it yeah. doesn't you can definitely look at him and be like, yeah, this is this guy's going to be formidable. We haven't yeah. seen him have to go up against somebody. But I know when it does happen, like shit's going to hit yeah. the fan. This like you're not going to be able to take this guy out pretty easily. Yeah. yeah in my head, fairies are brawlers. Yeah, very much. <laughs> I love He's that. also they've got that low center of gravity, too, which I don't know if you've ever heard about one of the advantages they talk about with like women in boxing and stuff is they've got that low center of gravity, lower center of gravity than men. So I feel like fairies have got that on their side, too. <laughs> <laughs> so well, at the clubs, all the fairies are going to be the bouncers, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, for sure. <laughs> Pick them up you know, and fly them out the door. This conclusion sooner. <laughs> uh well speaking of like great partnerships uh you two had collaborated uh, on a another book um was it uh heart, heart in a box? box yep yes and uh that one is actually going to be my next comic purchase for sure after reading this because just reading the synopsis of that book i'm i'm in that sounds amazing um so- wrote such a beautiful story <laughs> <laughs> So, it is it is beautiful i'm not even gonna lie it's beautiful <laughs> i love it i love it meredith brought it to life beautifully i that was my first project in comics and i feel like i got a late start which helps me not hate it i feel like i was a little more developed than a lot of people who maybe knock something out in their early 20s and then like maybe it's great or maybe they like live to regret it i don't know i'm definitely a person who's like i'm very glad kickstarter was not around when i was 22 who knows what i would have published um (laughs) but i'm really happy with heart in a box like honestly i go back sometimes and look at it you know for whatever reason and i just think it's really powerful i think just me writing it maybe it wouldn't have been but i think between meredith and i coming together on it you know it was also a project where i wrote it it was very much about a romantic breakup and then i put it on the back burner after you know after doing a bunch of work on it. And when I came back to it a couple of years later, it had just grown as a story so much. It didn't feel as much about romance as it felt about love more generally and less specifically romantic love. And I think it really expanded the story in a really beautiful way. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. So what was your collaboration process like on, on this new book, having collaborated previously on another creator owned book? It had been a while since. Yeah. No, no, it hadn't been that long because we were on Gem together too. Yeah, but Gem was like 2016, wasn't it? No, Maybe. no, surely not. <laughs> I think Gem because Gem <laughs> was. I don't know what those issues are. I'd have to do the math, but yeah, we were probably working that in 2016, maybe 2017. So it'd been a long time. I think the biggest difference was we were more in charge here because there we had an editor and we had Dark Horse. And also it was my very first experience. Um, Meredith had more experience than I did at that time, but now we've gone off and done tons. So I think yeah. we came to it. I, th- more, I think with more- this. Go you ahead. Go. Sorry. No, no, you go. You go. Uh, I think we came to this new one with a lot more confidence, like to back us up. Like we're like, okay, we're we're tried and tested. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. we already I, know I, that it works between us. You know. Yeah. yeah. So. 
So yeah, just the fact that I'm gonna we're gonna do a creator owned. We're gonna do it together. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was the she was my first call when I found out about the Substack thing and that it was really real and that it was I was gonna get this money, this grant. Uh, she was my first call for all the reasons because I knew we could do it together because I trusted her. Um, I, you know, I knew I knew she would be honest with me about the project, about what she could do and what she couldn't do. Um, I also, you know, I knew that she also knew she was fast. That never hurts. She's very reliable and and speedy, um, which is you know a gold thing for any creator. It's not always a guarantee. <laughs> it's a lot more guaranteed than my speed let's put it that way um and her job's a lot harder um but it, one of the big things for me was just um you know one of the she expressed a little concern when we first started talking about the project um about the blade runnery thing either because she just wasn't sure visually what she would want that to be yet, or maybe because that's not as much her thing as it is my thing. And so like, she was sort of trying it on and she was like, I want to make sure we're not aping anything else that's out there. And I was like a hundred percent. I was like, yeah. but one of many reasons I came to you is because I don't really think your work is like anything else out there. And I think applying it to a sci-fi fantasy thing, I think it is going to look different than almost everything I'm seeing. And I was really excited about that. It's a little scary too, but I just think, I think Meredith's really underrated. I think, um, I hope a lot of people discover her through this. Honestly, I do because I think she's doing phenomenal work and it's a great fit. Well, and I can say many of the same things about you. Like I, I come, when you come to me with a project, it's like, I do, I trust you to give me both a story that's really good and honesty. I'm holding up my end of the bargain to, for it. And like, you don't always get that in creative collaborations and it's something I really value. Um, Yeah. I felt very lucky. And honestly, I don't know if it's because we've been we've been doing all these podcasts or whatever. I've seen you so much. I'm sorry you haven't seen yeah. me. I know, but you, you look lovely. But I feel like our relationship has really grown over the last year too. Yeah. I mean, like I never not trusted you, so we were starting from a really great place where I was excited. But man, I don't know. I just feel a lot closer to you. It's been really great. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> There's. Oh, uh, making friendships, making comics. Yay. Teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work. <laughs> you guys should get on the My Little Pony books because friendship is magic. I am not even. <laughs> that could be fun. What I was, I was going to compliment Meredith because you did something in this book that I, uh, I'm a fan of watching anime. And you did something in this book where there's this. I love your art style. And then you get to the, in the third issue of the, um, when they get to the lagoon and the facial expressions change for the funny moments. And they do that a lot in anime. Yes. And I noticed it right off the bat. And it's one of those things where as an anime fan, I really appreciated just that touch because the characters faces, um, you know, they look different. They don't look as detailed as they did in the previous, but it's, it's like this, um, uh, more comical kind of like cute, yeah. cute look, I guess. I don't know how to put it, but the, it, 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 and I, I, I really thought that that was cool that I was just like picking up, like, I don't know if you did that on purpose, but like, Oh yeah, no, I, I totally have a background in manga. And okay. Awesome. It, it very uh, much influences what I do today. So yeah, and no, yeah. I, and me being like uh, an anime fan, and I just got into it over the like the last you know six seven years now. But I noticed that, and I was just like, okay, I I like it because it just anime is kind of like comfort food, you know, to me now, and so I get to see that in this book as well. And um, yeah, great job. I I, I really Thank like you. it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's funny you bring up the you bring that up because like for the last week I've been absolutely obsessed with the demon slayer manga. Mm-hmm. And I've actually read like, I think like 135 chapters of it over the last week. <laughs> and so when I picked this book up this morning, my brain was in manga mode and I kept trying to read it from right oh, to left. like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, 
well, this doesn't make any sense. And it's like, Joe, get your shit together. Start reading this like an American. Because there's so much crossover now, like there's so many web comics that uh, made by creators that come from um, the same background where it's like they, they grew up on anime and manga. It's like it's getting harder and harder to know which way to read the page when you're presented <laughs> with one, like right off the bat, like you have to try multiple different assortments of dialogue balloons before you're like, oh, it's this way. <laughs> That's pretty great. Um, so Kelly, you also have a background in writing novels. What What is, like, I, I guess, which one do you prefer writing more, comics or novels? I think I'm better at comics. I'm really, uh, my strength tends to be in dialogue, um, in giving characters voice and, you know, handling that sort of um, complex dialogue on, on teams or in captions. I think that's tends to be where my strength is. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know how powerful a writer I am. I still love Story Killer and The Girl Who Would Be King are the two books I published. I would really um, I would really like to do more in that arena. But a comics is addictive in a very different way. I mean, there's something appealing to, you know, being all on your own in a novel where it's all up to you. Like, there is something appealing to that. But, man, the crack of having beautiful pages coming into your email box on the daily it's it really is it's like christmas all the time where you're like oh shit here's this thing that i made that maybe you think it was great or maybe you think it was half-baked but you're about to find out and honestly it's amazing and i can't get over it and you don't have that with a novel you are on your own probably for months you know before anyone's looking at it and giving you feedback and like helping you the the collaboration of comics is truly the coolest thing about it and uh it's very hard to let that go i think for me oh i'd imagine especially with a collaborator like like meredith i mean i can tell just by talking to you two that the rapport you guys have is fantastic thank you yeah that's pretty awesome (laughs) we're we're all right we're all right (laughs) how many do you have any variant covers coming out for each of these issues i've lost count Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so <laughs> there, was a, there, was a, well, there, there was a problem on the first one, and we were supposed to have basically seven or eight. But then something got screwed up. I'm sure it's my fault because it's the first time I've ever been doing this before. But I, somehow the three covers that we had set aside to have incentives attached to them, like the one in 10, the one in 50, whatever, mm-hmm. they never got attached so they were all open order. And I don't really care about that. That's great for the fans. Like everyone can get their Jeff Deacle cover if they want, hopefully, because, you know, it's really out there. But I, it can hurt the sales for a first issue. And so I sort of pulled a couple favors. Uh, Tula let us have a sketch version of her cover that we could use as a third, as another Tula Latte cover. And then Meredith did a new cover, which I, I'm sorry she had to hustle and do it, but I'm actually really glad she did it because it's one of my favorites, actually. It's a good piece. I'm happy with it. It's a really good piece. And, you know, one of the things I love about Meredith's first cover for Black Cloak is that lagoon shot. It's a body in the water. Like, it's very indicative of a lot of things. But then the cover she did, and it feels very fantasy, but then the cover she did... The second one feels very about the detective mystery, much more neon and Blade Runner and whatever. And so I guess I just feel like they're two very accurate pictures of what the book is. And yet they almost feel like they could be in different books. And that weirdly excites me. Anyway, Mattia also did Mattia Elias, who's doing my other book on Substack, The Call. He did an incredibly beautiful, very high realistic uh, Essex one. And so those became our three variants that had incentives attached, which means we ended up with like 10, which is crazy. It's too much. <laughs> I do not recommend it for anyone. I mean, I recommend all the covers. They're gorgeous. But um, but going forward, I think it's basically just two or three. I, I think cover two does have four and cover three has three. And then it's just two from there on out. Something like that. 
it gets much less crazy after one. And I plan to keep it that way because, man. Whew, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you were lot, juggling in the mall. It's a lot to wrangle. Well, I can tell you I didn't do it very well for how my life went to shit. <laughs> 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 it was a lot to a lot to wrangle. But honestly, really incredible work everyone did for us. So it was pretty cool. So we're dealing with in the in this story we're dealing with the, the with this mystery is this going to be as far as black cloak is it are you planning on this being an ongoing book with multiple mysteries or because I mean that's what, what that's what I got out from the first you know from from reading like the first you know page is like murders so <laughs> Yeah, so like Yes, yes. I mean, listen, you don't call it Black Cloak if you don't think it's going to be about murder and it's not going to be about that that city, right? And, right? and Black Cloak specifically. Um the same way I feel like I've said Blade Runner way too many times, but like like Blade Runner, that the the name is a little bit of a nod to that. It's that kind of vibe, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think readers should feel super assured that the first mystery, like, we'll wrap that up. You'll know the end of that mystery, but big things are going to happen for Kiros. So I think it, that will be the hook for us going forward. Ha- us going forward, I mean, honestly, it really depends on the readers. I, I hate to put it on people like that because I know everyone each just feels like an individual reader and that feels very beyond your control, but you know, we have to follow the market. You know, if the audience is there for us to keep going, we would love to keep going, Mm -hmm. but the subset grant really only covers, you know, that first volume, especially since it's oversized, we took more money to do it than you usually would. So, um, I think that, you know, it's basically the equivalent of seven or eight issues before you get to that final, end of the story and we'd love to do more i think the hook for more is really great um we've got a lot of really interesting ideas um and the 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 end of the issue six the way it's structured now like very explosive so if we can build a solid readership i think we've really got a chance here but yeah i mean if people don't come out in great enough numbers it might just have to stand on its own as one story we'll have to see Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, hopefully it will get the numbers. Hopefully people will be making the trip to the comic shop or putting it on the poll list. Um, if let's say it just word of mouth picks up and then people start picking it up in trade. I mean, that can't hurt either. You would No, think. no, it's great. I think I think the problem I think the I think it's twofold. I think it's. You know, Meredith and I both have a lot of other stuff on our schedule, so we can't just do it as a labor of love. It has to be part of the program, right? Part of your schedule. Um, I think there's a danger, and I've experienced this with other projects, not with anything I've done with Meredith, but with other projects, that if you wait too long to like make that decision, it, you can lose your readership or you can just lose your spot in the schedule because you have other commitments. So I think waiting for the trade is probably not great but we don't have to be a bestseller like saga to be able to keep going yeah you just have to be you just have to be a a good seller that's all it takes like you know like yes we'd love to get rich and have saga numbers that'd be cool go ahead and do that everybody but you know if that doesn't happen that doesn't mean we can't do it if you're not a breakout hit it just means we need to see from issue i would say we'll know a lot better when we see the response to issue one and we get our foc numbers on two i think we'll see what the attrition is and like how it how it looks and we'll be able to make a better decision about should we go forward for the next chapter if so how much money can we commit to it how big does it need to be to be the right thing so we got a couple conversations to have over the next couple weeks that i think will determine that and i honestly i feel bad being like that with the audience i'd love to be like we're gonna do 50 issues that's it but that's just not the reality of comics and i think it's even though it's Maybe it maybe it drives some readers away because they would they don't want to invest in something that they feel like it's very long. I totally get that. I've been there many times myself as a fan. Um, but I think it's important people understand their role in this. And books like this 
don't get to keep going if everyone pirates them off a site, you know, or instead of buying them, um, your your vote matters. Your dollar counts. Literally, whether we continue going on is, you know, if you guys want to see more, well, you know, it's a let the fans decide moment. And I know that makes us all uncomfortable, (laughs) including Meredith and I, but I think that's the reality of modern comics making, you know? It's, I mean, the same thing's happening with TV. Look at how many shows yeah. Netflix is canceling. Oh, God. It's brutal. It's, it's a bloodbath. It's a bloodbath lately with the streaming stuff. And, and yeah, I think it's definitely related. And it's hard. It's hard because I don't want fans to get burned or I don't want them to feel like they can't commit. But I guess here's what I say. This story is going to be incredible. You're not going to regret it. You're definitely going to get your money's worth, like size-wise. It's going to be a big trade. It's a lot per issue. Um, it's a whole beautiful world. And I don't think you'll regret spending any time in it. And hopefully you and lots of other people also love spending time in it. And we can do lots more. Yeah, I surely hope so. It's, uh, you know, I, I could... It it definitely is going to be one of those things where a lot of people do get a number one just because it's a number one, right? Sure. So that's going to happen no matter what. You've got sure. your collectors out there that get the number one. So I think if people are sitting down reading the book, they're going to be like, okay, I'm not taking this off. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick around for issue two because this is a fun story. And so, you know, it was easy for me and Joe because we had the first three issues. And yeah. so we could just go to the second one, go to the third one. But I'm letting our listeners know that, like, if you're collecting comics, um, if you have a local LCS, local comic book shop, that this should be like you should walk into the, your LCS and say, I want Black Cloak number one. Where is it? Point me to it. Pick out your favorite cover and then walk out of there and just know that this is a book that is going to be, you know, by the time you get to the second issue and the third issue, it's got the it's got those fun moments. It's got great characters. It's got that fantasy world if you're into fantasy. And then by the end of the third issue, I'm just like, holy shit, we're going to go to a new environment. I can't wait to see what <laughs> what Meredith does with this and what ideas Kelly has for this uh, fourth issue because we're going into a new environment. Very excited about that. You know, a lot of people, you know, what have we seen? Uh, recently, Black Panther Wakanda Forever with like, you know, the underwater world and same thing with like Avatar 2. This is very like timely right now. Um, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm really hoping that the book uh, has a solid audience so we can have because I, I personally like long ongoing series. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, listen, don't you want to know more about Rena? the woman from the club that's from with dates. Don't you want to know what Sashenka is doing with all those mermaids? Plus he's like the greatest designed character of all time. I love Sashenka so much that giant pink. Yeah. With all the arms. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't, don't you want to know like, well, you guys haven't seen it yet, but in the latest episode, we see this arcade that has the coolest blade runner colors of all time. Like need to set every scene in that arcade. Now, Meredith, I'm sorry. It's unfortunate <laughs> for you, but with the whole, of volume two will take place in that arcade now <laughs> all right i'm ready you know You've it's given like me an ample warning <laughs> and she's just designed so many cool little characters and i want to explore these things these the i want to explore all these corners with meredith and with the fans and i think that you know we're not gonna um this is a this is a procedural so we have a directive of where we're headed and i think that that's baked into the nature of the book so i think a volume two is a procedural too but given what happens at the end of this first six issues it will be a very different procedural so like let's go there i'm I'm excited i hope we're gonna do it all you know um but i you know yeah yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the fans decide. I I feel like we're doing that old um, should Robin die? Situation. I didn't want to bring it up. I'm like, I don't know. The last time readers decided, Jason Todd died. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what's happening to us. Yeah. I hope it goes better for us than Jason. <laughs> it's fine. He's fine. He, he came back. Well, I mean, they've got to vote with their dollar here. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you've got to vote with your money. And I'm 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 telling my listeners that if you invest in this book, you're going to enjoy it. And it's it, you're not going to be it's not like, you're oh, OK, I'm out, you know, the four dollars or whatever. And you're going to that four dollars is going to be you're going to what, what else can you get for four dollars where you get so much enjoyment, you know, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. wait. I think this first issue is five dollars. Five dollars. Seriously, you could. I mean, it's better than that. That's the deciding point. Okay? No, it's Brian, Brian. I ruined that whole lovely thing you did. I'm so sorry. No, listen. It's better than that five dollar fucking Subway sandwich bullshit. It's, seriously, I wish I wish we'd put that on the cover. Yeah, it's like that. That that Brian's quote. That damn. What do you do? Buy a stupid five dollar foot long. No, no. Come on, this you will feed. This will feed your soul. Yes. Yeah. Brian says so. I mean, seriously, you can go one day without that fucking meatball sub. Seriously. <laughs> one day. Tickle- you got to go without it every yeah. month. Because even though it's $4, you need to come back. That's what we're saying. Exactly. It's a simple plan. It's a simple plan. Mm-hmm. It's not simple at all. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> but, but for a triple length first issue, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. And- I mean... Triple length is not entirely fair. I think it's almost triple length. But yeah, it's like 51 pages. And I will say that like part of the reason I think that that 51 pages is a great thing for this book is because it's not written. I mean, maybe Brian can correct me if he feels differently, but I do not think it's written in a way that you traditionally expect for fantasy. Um, It doesn't have any captions. There's sort of no prologues. I mean, it has locator captions, but not like narrative captions inside people's head. It doesn't have like prologues or like a lot of explainers. The world building treats it as sort of like you crash landed here and you're just sort of learning it on the fly, which I don't think is the way fantasy traditionally operates. They're much more about like getting into the nitty gritty details, but because it's comics, I like to just let... Meredith do all the work there (laughs) like you know she draws all these incredible details and like let your eyes soak that up or not as much as you want and then the writing is only going to ask you you know like here's the narrative like we're going to keep you on the path and then you're just going to see all these shiny things along the way that are you know exciting Mm -hmm. um and like we're excited about exploring too you know I mean the Worst part is every time you give character uh, Meredith a new character to draw, she draws them so incredible, and you're like, "Well, now the story is just about this person." Like, I we have to make a Rena spinoff because she's now my favorite character. Thanks a lot, Meredith. You know, so it's a it's it's a treat. It's a treat. Yeah, like yeah, I, I'm I'm telling you, like a lot of the it's just a it's a lot of eye candy and a lot of um, really awesome visuals from panel to panel especially me being a fan of fantasy worlds and stuff like that mm-hmm. so um yeah i'm at, i love just like the first page where i'd say i got to look at like the world and the kingdom and everything like that just kind of like a diagram of it i was just kind of like soaking it all in um and i'm fa- first page is one of my favorite pages in the whole book it's so great right it's, it's really cool yeah such a lay of the land like such a classic sort of fantasy page i feel like in a lot of ways and then hopefully the narrative like subverts it in a little way right like yeah i love that yeah absolutely because like with what you were saying before that you know you're not giving all this extra stuff like fantasy has even though it's a fantasy story you're just dropping it in and it really plays to the whole mystery of the book and it just adds to it and makes as a reader, it just made me want to keep reading. Cause I want to know so much more about all this stuff and, you know, just little bits that are teased here and there. I, I feel like there's more to come with that. And uh, are you thinking that this, this first arc is going to be around six issues? It, it is six issues, but again, everything's long. So I think like it's more the equivalent of like seven or seven and a half issues page count wise but yeah it'll be six issues oh that's fantastic and and to me it's like you've done such a good job with world building just in these first three issues that i feel like it it it, it'd be a crime if it doesn't go more than six issues because there's just so much to this world that you're laying out here 
Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I, and the way you're laying it out is very enticing. I agree. And I wish we'd gotten this interview before we went to print because we could have used the subway quote on the front. We could have used this. <laughs> it's a crime if this doesn't go more than six issues. Joe Stark said so. Like, I'm into it. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. I guess. Uh, we are going to, yeah, I guess, final, I guess, final question, and then we're, we'll wrap up this interview, but it's been so fantastic talking with you both. Joe, did you have anything that you wanted to ask them? Oh, no, I could just keep shooting the shit with these two for as long as they would allow, <laughs> whether we're talking about this book or Alaska or, or hairless okay. cats or anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just end it on this. Go go right now. It's it, the book is out, and so you can you can go to your local comic book shop and pick it up. You can also there's so many different websites that you can go to. Uh, Atomic Empire. I go through Gmart. You can also go to Midtown Comics. There's so many different places where you can get comics and just have them ship them out to you. But if you have a LCS, a local comic shop, um, you can find local comic shop uh, locators on the internet. It's very easy. Just walk in, ask the person working there. I want to buy Black Cloak number one and walk out with every variant cover that they have. Just (laughs) walk out with a stack. Yes. Send us to a second printing. That would be amazing. And then get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get in, get in on Reddit, go to all the different comic book pages and let people know that you bought Black Cloak number one and that you loved it. And then uh, tweet to Kelly and and uh, and Meredith, and just let them know that you love the book so much. Yes, and, please uh, do. Yeah, and I mean, thrive under we, praise. Yes, we love to hear from you guys, especially when you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, when you love something and you support it like that, and you get the word out. So a lot of this is going to be word of mouth, too, guys. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of it's going to be word of mouth. We're trying to do our part, me and Joe here, by getting it out to our listeners. And we, we, you know, we know a lot of our listeners love comics. So um, just get out there and then subscribe, uh, put it on your poll list, Black Cloak. And then just uh, hopefully we will get more of this because I'll be in for the long haul. It's a fantastic book. Thank well, you guys thank so, you so much. much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. It means a lot. We had a great time. Great. Awesome. We did too. I'm going to go eat a meatball sub now. (laughs) Um, I want you guys to have us back to talk about it when it finishes, because I want to hear how you liked it. We don't even have to actually record a message. I just want to know if you guys liked it. Okay. Oh, you're on. All right. But I hope you do. And thank you so much for taking the time out and supporting the book. It means, means the world to us. Absolutely. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Th- thank you for the excellent entertainment. I mean, it's, it's so good. And you know, this is, the, these are the sort of stories that, that people should jump on. And thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Means a lot. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Wow. They were great. Yeah. That was fun. I'm going to hit stop <laughs> here real quick on this. <laughs>